Good morning and welcome to episode 282 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Um, ben, how are you doing? I was really hoping this was the Breaking Bad podcast, but I must have made a wrong turn somewhere. Mm. Mm-hmm. At least it's not the Longmire podcast. <laughs> you should be so lucky. Uh, are you familiar with Will Smith's season? Uh, I know he's a reliever now, and he's been good. Yeah, he's 38 strikeouts and four walks in 29 innings uh, with one start in there, so it's possible that mm. those stats are even better as a reliever. Uh, and Will Smith is, uh, yeah, he had his one start. He basically gave up six runs in four innings. Uh-huh. Five strikeouts, one walk. So he's been essentially unhittable since then. And Will Smith is like the most... I don't know. He he is maybe in my mind the uh, the prototypical uh, a ball prospect who nobody who has like no chance of making it in the majors. I mean, like when he was in high a, or I mean not high a in short season ball, he had seventy six strikeouts and six walks. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a little bit of a freak out among some Angels fans about whether he was a prospect or not. And you know, there were people who thought he was the best prospect in the organization at the time. Mm-hmm. And then there were other people who, like, left him off the top, you know, 20 altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and here he is as a reliever, uh, completely dominating. Uh, and there was, uh, yeah, there was another thing about Will Smith that was interesting, but I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull the the memory up but i when uh who who did the the royals just traded a pitching prospect right yeah in the maxwell trade uh oh yeah that's right so yeah so one of the things in that transaction analysis was looking at all the pitchers who had had certain benchmarks in the minors Mm -hmm. and it was mostly like elite prospects kyle smith that was yeah so it was mostly like kind of elite prospect types and then there were a couple of non-prospects who had who had had like that particular strikeout walk and age uh, ratios in at a certain level, mm-hmm. and Will Smith at that point was already the most successful of all those pitchers mm-hmm. in the majors, and now is uh, just getting more successful. As a reliever, twenty-five and a third innings pitch, thirty-three strikeouts, and three walks. Mm-hmm. It's good. I I I've been so spoiled by other relievers who've done this that now I'm not even impressed. Really, like, no. Like yeah, it's true. Kevin Segrist is my is my favorite of this type this season, uh, and he's he's outclassed Smith in pretty much every way. He's he's a forty, I think he's a forty first round pick, former forty first round pick, uh, who is never ranked highly as a prospect. I think Kevin Goldstein wrote about him a bit last year and just said basically he's a soft tossing lefty, low ceiling. He was a he was a starter at the time and had kind of good numbers, but not high strikeout rates in like high A and maybe a little bit of double A and just didn't didn't really look like uh, he was going to be anything. But I don't know, maybe a, a back of the rotation starter, if that. And suddenly he's a reliever and he throws really hard all of a sudden and is a lefty and in 32 innings has allowed two runs. Uh, with 44 strikeouts and 16 walks, so not not as great control, but but pretty much unhittable. Um, so I don't know. There are just so many of these guys. 
Uh, well, how about yeah? How about your guy Neil Kotz? Yeah, Neil Kotz is amazing. I mean, he was. I, there, there are very few things I'm currently rooting for in baseball, but but in uh, as a favor to you, I, I have been rooting for Neil Kotz all season. <laughs> Me too, because I figured there was a fifty percent chance that he would just. That was going to be so embarrassing <laughs> for you. Yeah, he would just blow up and be awful after my article about how he'd reinvented himself and suddenly he somehow he has not made me look stupid but yeah there- did you write yeah did you write that article it was like between his first and second appearance in the majors or something like that yeah i i had been planning to write it when he was called up when he was in the minors and i i think i missed that he was called up and and so he had had an appearance or so in in the majors by the time i got it out but um yeah and i don't know brett cecil was yeah was was barely a major league starter and now he's uh now he's a good setup guy and it's just i don't know it's there's so many people it I feel like if you're a struggling starter just might as well put put you in the bullpen and see if you if your stuff plays up and you somehow become a, a dominant setup man i don't know. yeah but but for like four months i mean yeah, most of the guys sure. that we've named are going to be worthless next year sure yeah it it does yeah it feels strange because it seems like it's so easy to make these guys or find these guys and people still pay money for these people when they're free agents i i don't know whether it's because there's such turnover that there's always a need for them even though it seems like it's so easy to make them but uh, gosh i don't it's hard to imagine paying a lot for these people instead of just taking your, I don't know, taking some triple A starter and putting him in the bullpen and suddenly he's unhittable. I don't know. Anyway. Louise Coleman. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Chen, by the way, made you pay for not drafting him. Is it Luis or Lewis? Uh, I, I always, Lewis? I always said Lewis. Yeah. It's, it, there's no, there's an O, right? Yeah, yeah, there is. Right. Yeah, the Royals have just a ton of those guys. They've, I think, they have the best bullpen ERA in in the league or in the majors, and just yeah, they do. I was just going to write about that actually for Wednesday. Well, now I stole your thunder. I broke. That's okay. I broke the, the story. No, it's okay. The whole point of it is that it it that well, the the point of it is that it's not worth paying attention to uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. Right, because they're still the Royals. Uh, uh and because it's still just a bullpen. All right, so uh, what's your topic? Uh, I wanted to revisit Trout versus Harper again. Oh, good. That's uh, I'm going to ask you to revisit Trout and Harper versus other people. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, so why don't you start? All right. So I just wanted to. Uh, it seemed like before the season, whenever I did a radio interview, I was unfailingly asked. Trout versus Harper and which one I would pick and which one would have the better career. And I I mean, I basically considered it a, a toss-up more or less, but I always said Trout just, I don't know, just because he had had the one incredible season that most players never ever have and had established that he could perform at that level. And so that kind of equaled, canceled out the, the being a year older and but I, I basically considered it, I don't know, if 52, 48 or something. Uh, so I wanted to revisit it now and see what what we would say after we've had almost a full season here. And Trout has been even better than he was last year, which is incredible. 
Uh, Harper, when he's played, has been better than he was last year. He's been somewhat more selective and has chased less and is whiffed less and has walked more and is hit for a little more power and and just generally has been has been better and and every every leg of the triple slash line he has been better but he's only played 101 games he's had a series of minor to somewhat serious injuries now he's has this hip problem uh, which is lingering for quite a while and he's flying back to see a specialist or get another test and and he has this pattern now of playing through injuries which uh, on the one hand, you, I guess, applaud his his dedication to being in the lineup and helping the Nationals win. But on the other hand, you realize that maybe it is achieving the exact opposite of that goal. And and we talked about uh, we talked about when he ran into the wall and how he said he was always going to play like that and has, I guess, continued to play like that, although he hasn't really run into any walls lately. Um but we never talked about this this hip thing, which is it's kind of a, a continuation of what seems like a season line season long trend of the Nationals treating injuries strangely or having people play through injuries and there not being great communication between the training staff and the manager and the player and of course Harper told Davey Johnson that he was fine for a few straight days while he was clearly limping around and no one no one stopped him from playing, but. So he has this uh, somewhat concerning fragility for a person his age and a a tendency to maybe make those injuries worse or at least uh, delay his healing by playing through them. So you have to factor that in. So I guess my answer would, would be the same now and maybe my probability that Trout will have the better career would be higher than it was at the beginning of the season. I can't decide how much higher because I don't want to overreact to, uh, you know, a series of day-to-day injuries and the knee thing. And maybe in a couple of years, Harper is, is fully healthy and this looks like a blip on the way to superstardom. And he's done all the things that you would like to see him do when he's actually playing. But I don't know if it was 52, 48 before the season, maybe it's 60, 40 now for me. Um, so it, it's interesting to me that you're focusing on the Harper aspect, uh, the Harper part of this equation. It, I mean, isn't it seems to me that by far the most significant information that we got this year comes from Trout's end. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I guess so. Uh, I, we, knew, we knew Trout could be incredible for a season, and I, like everyone else, was expecting him to, to come back to Earth a little bit, and he hasn't. He's gotten even better, which is amazing. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, it's new, new data and certainly makes me think even more highly of, of Trout. Uh, I, I already thought so highly of him after last year that I don't know how much higher my opinion could go. Yeah. It's just that, um, we knew that he could do that for a season. Mm -hmm. What it seems that to be though, is that this level is actually just his standard level. Yeah. That this is his normal level. Yes. This, this is his, this is his resting heartbeat heartbeat. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, so it makes you actually think that what he could do in a season is probably something like 12 or 13 wins. Uh-huh. And that, um, he could very easily average. He, I mean, I, I, it's still, it's still hard to say these words out loud. <laughs> But it's it's very possible he could just average nine wins a year, 
uh, for the next, uh, you know, for the next 10. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that's like a completely reasonable projection for him at this point. Um, and to me, that's significant because there's always, I mean, there's always, well, I mean, all, like Zach Granke had a season as good as this, for instance, uh, you know, as good as one of Trout's seasons as a pitcher. Um, you, you can do one. It's, it's like if you're, if, if everything kind of just, uh, you know, if exhales all at once and, and you get all your, your, your goodness in one year, it's, it's not that impossible to have a nine win season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you can find guys who have great career spikes. Uh, Trout's was better than most even, I think. Yeah. Something like no player had ever had a season as good as he had without making the Hall of Fame, uh-huh. if I believe, uh, if I'm remembering this correctly. So it was a it was an absurd hype, but the fact that he's repeating it, uh, you know, that's really super significant. This is two years now of nonstop insanity level goodness, mm-hmm. um, and so to me the question is now. It, it used to be what are the odds that Trout is really this good, as well as what are the odds that Harper is going to be a generational player like he's been projected to be Mm -hmm. and now it's settled the first half is settled trout is this good and so you just have to figure out what are the odds that a player who has never demonstrated 10 win ability Mm -hmm. will demonstrate it and the odds of that are pretty pretty low right i mean i would think that you'd now would have to dot you'd have to drop to something like i don't know i'd guess 76 24 maybe Mm -hmm. no no 78 78 22 I go seventy-eight twenty-two. Wow, you're always very, very high with the percentages when we talk about trout, and I'm always low, and then I feel insecure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Did you know that? You, do you remember the uh, we talked about whether it would be a good bet to bet on Bryce Harper hitting fifty home runs? Yeah, I do remember that. Well, um, I might have, I might have made that bet. I might have made a bet along those lines, mm-hmm. and I don't feel very good about it right now. He's hit seven in 250 plate appearances since coming back uh, from injury on July 1st. Uh, and that's not why I'm feeling insecure about it. It's just uh, 50 is such a big number. Mm-hmm. And you, you, it's hard to imagine somebody reaching that number who's not at that level already. And at the time, I think we thought, well, he had like 11 in a month. He was 20. Uh, and, you know, he had all this, uh, this like awesome – a backstory, and it seemed reasonable, but now it seems pretty unlikely. the The way that the bet works is that um, if every year that he, every year until he hits fifty in a season, I owe a guy dinner, uh-huh. and every year from that point on, he owes me dinner. Mm. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, like one year isn't that significant, but on the other hand, if he hits fifty in his ninth year, then I, I still lose, you know, because it's a fifteen year, it's a fifteen year bet. Uh huh. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not looking so great right now. It doesn't look as good as it did. Um, although I don't know how much. I mean, you know, it's maybe it's just the injuries. Maybe it's all the hip. Mm-hmm. What would you have said for the Trout Harper percentages before the season, if you can, if you can remember? Probably fifty-two forty-eight. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Maybe I might have. I might not have even gone that. Far. I might have just done a coin flip. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I you know what actually I uh, when was it uh, last summer, last June? Oh, I guess so. Last June, I was at a wedding and I had just started reporting on Trout, or I, maybe I had just started looking at it. I don't think I had talked to him yet. And uh, 
this was Trout at the time was like in an insane hot streak, but he hadn't gone through the entire summer, so it was a lot smaller sample. But uh, I somebody asked me Trout or Harper, and I was still taking Harper at that point. Uh-huh. Yeah. How much did did working on that story uh, make affect your opinion of Trout talking to people yeah. and talking to him? Not much. Uh, probably not much. I pro- probably not much. I I think I I was I I learned a bit about his style of play um, that made me a little bit more confident, but, you know, not much. I mean, there's not, at, at this point with both of those guys, less so with Harper now than, than a few months ago, but with both of those guys, talking to people is almost like, it's just a hyperbole contest that mm-hmm. the whole world is engaged in. Yeah. And so, in a sense, you're, you're not necessarily getting good information. You're getting awesome color from people mm-hmm. and it's fun and you're sharing this great experience with everybody. But there's not a whole lot to say. Like they're beyond the uh you know, they're beyond they're beyond analysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and we've been we've sounded pretty negative about Harper in this podcast, but I don't think either of us would be surprised or particularly surprised if he did hit fifty home runs or did come out and have a trout season in a couple of years or i mean those things are are still very much possibilities for him yeah so he's 20 this year mm-hmm. and he's uh if it, even with the injuries he's going to play 100 and you know he's going to play 110 games or so maybe and he's he could be he's, done who knows he could be done so he might play 100 and you know one two or 101 mm-hmm. yeah and he still has like a top 25 war of all time for his age uh-huh. um if he had any sort of a full season he would have been you know like he would have been right around griffey if you just pro if you prorate it to like 140 games he would have been right around griffey mm-hmm. uh at 12th all time so yeah kind of a big deal yeah <laughs> still a big deal mm-hmm. all right what did you want to ask me uh, in fact, his his season looks a lot like Willie Mays's uh, age twenty season, although with more plate discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's playing a, a, you know, his defense. I, I don't know. It's hard to know whether his defense got worse this year or not. But mm-hmm. that's one place that his value drops a little while his offense went up. Okay. Anyway, uh, so my question is, uh, I asked you to give me your to to rank the best pitchers in baseball for the year twenty nineteen. And I just want to take three of them, and I have a little ex- exercise. Did you uh, for the year twenty nineteen or through the year twenty nineteen? It doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess what it, it, that's what I was thinking, but I guess it doesn't matter. All right, so through the year twenty nineteen. So uh, I just want to pick out three of them. Mm-hmm. One uh, for 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 their relevance to the conversation. One is Clayton Kershaw, who's going to sign a huge, huge contract, mm-hmm. uh, probably to stay with the Dodgers, maybe. Um, one, and he was your number one, one is Jose Fernandez, who is, uh, on the tip of everybody's tongue and he was your number three. I didn't, and then one, I wasn't even really ranking them. I was just kind of putting them in a group. <laughs> so. You're so bad at this. <laughs> I told you, I, I hate, I hate ranking things. <laughs> okay. Well, what, I anyway, Kershaw three. would be one, uh, and I'd have to look at the list, but Fernandez Seems- would probably be two or three. Okay, all right, good. And uh, number uh, and Zimmerman would be number ten, right? Yeah. Okay, and so number ten, you had Jordan Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right, fair enough. Sorry. Uh, so just one by one, um, I, I also similarly have uh, 
a list of baseball players here who don't pitch. And so I'm just going to ask you, uh, I'm going to go down a list of names and then you tell me when to stop. Uh, and the, the question is, who would you rather have in 2019? Okay. Uh, contracts don't matter. Mm-hmm. Service time doesn't matter. Age obviously does because we're talking about a real world where 2019 is part of our human timeline. Um, and so don't worry about 2018, 17, 16, 15, 14. Just 2019. Who would you rather have in 2019? Okay. okay so we're gonna we're gonna start with Kershaw. Kershaw or Trout? Trout. Harper. Harper. McCutcheon. Uh, how old is McCutcheon? He is 26. Uh. McCutcheon. Machado. Machado. Stanton. <sighs> yeah. Stanton. Posey. Posey. Uh hmm. Okay. So Posey is twenty-six. So he will be th- in his early thirties. <sighs> Gosh. Uh I guess I'd still take Posey. Longoria? Yeah, still Longoria. Buxton? Hmm. No. Okay, Kershaw over Buxton. Yeah. All right, number two, Fernandez. Uh, Trout, Harper, McCutcheon? Yeah, all the same people, right? Okay, so yeah. all those. Yeah, Miguel Cabrera? Ooh. Uh, no. He's 30. No. You'd rather have Fernandez and Cabrera? Yes. Okay. 36-year-old uh, Cabrera, yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, uh, Puig? <clears throat> uh, <laughs> 22-year-old Puig. Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll be right in his prime. I, I guess I would take Puig. Hayward? Ooh. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll say No. I like okay. I like Hayward a lot, but eh. All right, so like Puig Cabrera, that's like the money spot for Fernandez. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, Zimmerman, all those guys. Uh, David Wright. He's what twenty nine. Um, twenty nine or thirty, yeah. Zimmerman's like twenty seven, I think. Uh, gosh, I guess I would take Wright. Profar. <sighs> hmm. Yeah, Profar. Kipnis? Kipnis? Yes. Myers? Yes. Goldschmidt? Yes. Hosmer? Yes. Bogarts? <sighs> yes. Cano? <laughs> um, yes. Alex Gordon? No. Sano? Uh, yeah. Uh, Correa? You know I said no to Gordon, right? Yeah, I did. I know. You're I just know. going anyway. Um, yeah. Correa, no. Uh, okay. Votto, just out of curiosity. Votto? <clears throat> How old's Votto? 30. Yeah, take Votto. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so... I just wanted to get a sense. I mean, we all know that there's a lot more risk for pitchers. And Will Carroll once said that he wouldn't give a six-year pitcher or something like that or uh, a six-year deal or maybe a five-year deal or maybe a four-year deal, I don't remember, to any pitcher ever, um, which, uh, you know, is a 
that's a somewhat um, probably hyperbolic statement, but there's like this sort of amount of risk that we all acknowledge in pitchers. Um, and so I just wanted to try to put um, some sort of scale to that risk. And so like you have the best pitcher in baseball uh, is worse to you, is less valuable or more risky to you than the seventh or eighth best player. Mm-hmm. And then the third best pitcher you had like, you know, around like the 11th or 12th, I guess. And then the 10th best you had around like the 22nd or 23rd. Um, And so that's interesting to me. One thing that's interesting to me is about how it seems to me that you uh, penalized roughly the same deduction for the pitcher aspect of each player equally. So it flattens out once you get past the top. Like basically, okay, you... It, it's like instead of multiplying, like okay, for the first best pitcher you take the you know the the third best player, and then for the third best you take oh, the ninth, and for you mean the I don't, ninth best yeah. you take the twenty seventh. It's not a multiplier. It's just you you just add like a seven or eight point demerit at the beginning, and then from that point on it's flat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess if I if I considered one of them a bigger injury risk, then it might have been like a an exponential thing. But since None of them really had much of an injury history, which is why they were on my list in the first place. Um, I guess Zimmerman does, but um, I, I, yeah, I just kind of counted their risk as equal. Is it entirely injury risk that you're you're thinking about, or that you think we're talking about? You don't Pretty think much. pitchers have will, pitchers don't have more performance risk? You don't think? Uh, I don't think so. I, I mean. I don't know, maybe, but I feel like the bulk of the risk is the injury stuff, and I, I, I don't know. I feel like I just kind of, I would just take the, I, I feel like the the best position player, the most valuable position player, is just more valuable than the best most valuable pitcher, even oh, if they're so, both healthy and playing full seasons. So okay, so I was actually thinking about asking as a counterpoint or as a sort of as a companion question. If it were the same question but for the next 10 days, mm. then would you still take Posey, Stanton, Machado, Longoria, McCutcheon, and Harper over Kershaw? Or uh, I guess uh, maybe the, not, those guys might not be your best players, but yeah. would you take would you take seven, seven or eight players before you would take Kershaw if it were just for the next 10 days? Because mm. I think take that... Fewer probably, but... Probably still, I don't know, at least like five or so. Really? I think so. I'm not. I'm not sure. I would take more than two. Yeah, I think I. I think I would. I. I don't know if. Yeah. So if that's the case, then you would virtually, you would basically never, ever, ever vote for a pitcher to be MVP. It would have to be a pretty extraordinary season for me to for me to want to do that. Yeah. Huh. I don't know if you. I mean, if you look at. If you if you look at the the war numbers and and it, I mean even those are it, it seems like there's a pretty clear advantage and and I know that's partially that's the way that we compute war at, at BP uh, where we give fielders a lot of credit for for pitchers you know preventing hits on balls in play but I I feel like that's kind of a fair thing to do. Um, so I mean the top the top warp seasons like Trout's at almost ten now, Cabrera's at seven point three, uh, 
Goldschmidt's at 6.2. And then the top pitcher seasons, uh, we actually, yeah, we have like Harvey at like, oh, wait, I'm not sorting by the right thing, but we have Kershaw at like 4.5 right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And it seems like, I I mean, just eyeballing like Fangraph's numbers, they have Trout at also 10, Cabrera at also 7.3, actually almost exactly the same. And then they have uh, Kershaw. They have Kershaw at 5.6. And Mm -hmm. and the the highest they have is Harvey at 6.1. And I haven't looked at baseball references, but maybe it's a similar breakdown. So I... It 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 kind of is at baseball runs, but this seems to be a a down year for pitcher war for uh-huh. some reason. Uh-huh. Uh, like you don't have like Halliday was you know Halliday was in the eight to nine range mm-hmm. when he was good. This year Kershaw's six eight and Sale is six five, which is uh, kind of surprising because we just recently talked about how Kershaw is like the best pitcher we've seen recently, or yeah. having the best season we've seen recently. I guess I know, it's, I think... it's a low Babbitt thing. Yeah, I th- I don't know. I feel like we're I it, it, I don't know. It, it might be that we haven't again we haven't adjusted mentally downward for the yeah. for the decline in league league wide offense. I also feel a little bit skeptical about park factors right now. I don't know why, but for me it feels like park factors are have gotten a little more extreme in the last couple of years, and I don't know if I am confident in that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, one. One thing about this, though, is that pitchers basically get paid, you know, roughly the same as as hitters get paid mm-hmm. for the most part. They just they don't get as long of deals because of the risk involved, presumably. But uh, you know, on a on an on an annual basis, or if you had you know one year, uh, like like I imagine that well, Trout's in a completely different level, okay, but. Mm-hmm. Like I think that Kershaw might be if you had a if everybody was signed to a one year deal next year, I think Kershaw might be the second or third highest player in baseball. Yeah. And so if they're after Trout and Cabrera, I could I could see yeah, that. So, yeah. So so then are we are we undervaluing the role of the pitcher or does baseball overvalue the role of the pitcher? I, I well I mean we've been talking about how baseball overvalues relievers for the last decade two decades and they still seem to be valuing them the same as they have throughout that time which makes me wonder whether we're missing something or not but it's it's hard to figure out what it is um i i don't know maybe it's just it might just maybe maybe pitchers are fundamentally less valuable but because you have to have them and the differences between them are are just as stark as they are for position players you you end up paying the same amount for the elite pitching talent, even if they are restricted somewhat in their ability to have an impact on the game. Uh, and you just you treat them as if pitching were fifty percent of of baseball and winning, and pay them accordingly. And maybe I don't know. Maybe there is some overvaluing there. All right. Well, I just want to thank uh, I want to thank Chad. And Chris and Izzy and S. Martano for helping me uh, come up with a list of position players to go down quickly. Uh, so thank you guys, and we'll be back tomorrow with episode 283. In the meantime, uh, email us uh, questions for Wednesday at podcast at baseballperspectus.com.